0: This is Kathy Craig and we are here for the Huddle Guide podcast, episode number four. Hey everyone, we're here with Jenna Cruzy, my friend and fellow disciple maker. And I'm just so excited to hang out with you today and for our listeners to get to know you, Jenna. What do you, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah,
1: first off, hi, Kathy. It's so great to be here. And I just love what you all are doing with equipping disciple makers so that they don't feel so alone. So thanks for having me. I'd love to share a little bit of my story with you all. Please do. Yeah, so um, this is going to be fun. I I was thinking about getting a little bit nervous this morning, and then (gasps) I was like, you know what? Anything with Kathy is fun. So um, yeah, starting out with how I got to be a part of Mercy Road Church, Uh, For me, being a part of a church community has always been about accessibility. Like, how accessible is this form of church to the broader context of our community and more specifically to my own group of friends and Mm -hmm. maybe even more specifically than that to those who don't yet have a community of believers that they're a part of. And so for me, I had to ask those big questions um, 10 years ago Pastor Josh husman asked my husband and I to join a church that didn't yet exist. Yes. Uh, and so that was a really new concept for me. I uh, had no idea what church pl- planting meant, and I um, didn't have any fr- framework for, like, what do you mean you're starting a church without people and without a building? Uh, I I grew up in a denomination that was, uh, it, was it was a very rich traditional de- mm-hmm. denomination, but there was definitely a right and wrong way to do things and uh, like something that was passed down for generations. And so... Yeah on top of that, it was a, a particular expression of that church that was, you know, had been in the local community for years and years and years, and it was a very big church. And so uh, when Pastor Josh asked us to be a part of this new movement in uh, and, and this church, to be honest, it was, he had to twist our arms a little mm-hmm. bit. And I, you have probably seen that before. Every good apostolic leader knows how to twist a, an arm a yes. little bit without you even realizing that's what's happening. And yeah, I'm so glad he did because it really boiled down to being able to answer those questions that I j- just said a minute yeah. ago of like, is this a place where I would want to invite my non-churched friends in? And the answer to that was yes. Uh, it was a place of invitation for me. And on top of that, it was more about, I think, what my family gained in the process as well of m- learning to live on mission and take something from nothing into What it is today.
0: Yeah. You and Justin, your husband Justin, were some of the first people that I met when I was interviewing and came on staff. And uh, I have so much respect and admiration for you. You serve on our operations team, which is a really big commitment and a passion. You can't do that without passion for the church and wanting to share Jesus with people in our community Uh, could you explain a little bit what that's like to serve on our operations team
1: yeah first off I have to comment that I remember the first time I did meet you and it was so memorable because when you left the room Kathy it was like everyone just looked around at each other and was like she is the most poised person I have ever met and we just wanted to I mean it was like okay, who cares about the job? We just want to get to know her more. We want to be friends with her. She's hired. And Uh so that was really beautiful. But yeah, honestly, being a part of the operations team is so rewarding. Mm -hmm. You just are in a room full of mission-minded people who are thinking outside the box uh, of what what church... Should be what yeah. church looks like. Um, that it's not a building. That it's not a professional Christian standing on stage. But yeah. um, that it's everyday people living on mission, doing what they're passionate about, and and figuring out the next steps along the way, and empowering people to do that. And so, yeah, sometimes it's the nitty gritty, you know, behind the scenes work, but. It has been so rewarding to see just the fruit of that labor yeah. and really I mean I just I feel like I'm just surrounded by people who are who inspire me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you represent you're a woman leader and you represent that on our board. You're not the only one, um but it it makes me feel known and seen as a woman uh, in ministry. Mm -hmm. And so I am so grateful and just so trust you with being that voice for all Mm -hmm. of us uh, and on that team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There are certain things that, you know, only a a woman is going to see or perceive in a certain Mm -hmm. way. And so uh, I have a whole funny story about how I came to be on the operations team. Yeah, do you want to share and, it, <laughs> Pastor Josh? Sorry, uh, <laughs> it took him a year of more arm twisting to get yeah. me to say yes to that position, and a lot of it was because of my backstory of of um, maybe the, the denomination, but also mm-hmm. just you know the there are are different nuances to. Different denominations and yes. their beliefs uh, about women in ministry and, and where their place is, and um, I I love the idea of um, everyone taking their role yeah. and, and and where that belongs. But also, um, you know, I just wanted to do the right thing. I wanted to do what I felt God calling me to do, and not just step into a position where maybe God was saying like that's that's not your place. Yeah, um, but we had some really big, deep theological conversations, Josh and I, and I really appreciate that. And I've appreciated that all along that we can uh, think critically about really what is God calling us to in this context. And I do see the value in I appreciate that our church has always been about, not just from stage, but behind the scenes, we need to have a diversity of, of voices yes. speaking into the decision-making process. And so if I can serve in that way, just by by being a voice to say, this is how I think about it, you take it or yeah. leave it, but this is what I'm thinking. Um, and, and I know that voice is heard. And so yes. I really appreciate that opportunity.
0: Yes, I think what I love about your leadership at that table if you will, is that you are wise. It's not about I have to be here. Um, it's about is this where God wants me to be? And it's not, you know, it's it's not like a fight that you're fighting. It's really just being faithful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I always feel entrusted with where you're leading us in judgment and just your voice in that conversation. And so, thank you. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I just love talking about Mm -hmm. that because I think it's important to note in empowering people that no matter where you come from, um, what your background is or what you've been told, we can think critically. We can do the homework ourselves and do the wrestling ourselves and then come to the conclusion that God has shown us uh, in a very thoughtful manner.
1: Yeah. And I appreciate watching your journey of doing the grad school and doing the Christine Kane Wheaton (laughs) University program and just watching you, you know, women in ministry and figuring out what that looks like one step at a time. And it's not always linear and easy and straightforward, but you've been navigating that with such grace. And to, you know, hear you speak from the stage gives not only just all the women out there, but every single person that's tuning in, whether they're online or in person, yeah. they get to hear another voice uh, that's listening to God and that's hearing from God and passing that knowledge on uh, yeah. and that faith on to, to that person in the pew.
0: Yeah, it is, it's a privilege. I mean, that, I mean that in a very sober way. Um, it's a privilege to do it and to also um, love people. And to show them the different perspectives of seeing things, also, you know, it's all biblical. It's all Jesus, and that's the only thing that I want to point to. And I think that's you and I share a strong passion for that. And uh, and I feel like we we get to do that. And so when we get to live in our gifts, it's a it just feels so humbling. Yeah. Yeah. So. Thank you for being in it with me, and I'm so excited to be on mission with you and in friendship with you. Um, Yeah. So, okay, switch gears a little bit. Tell me about your first Discipleship Huddle experience. What was that like? How did you land in that? And yeah, tell us a little bit more.
1: Yeah, this is a fun one because I have a very non-traditional way that I became a huddle leader actually. Uh, So I was invited into my first discipleship huddle by a woman named Lisa. And actually many of you will know her. She has been very pivotal in just the growth of this church and just someone who has jumped on board and been willing to sacrifice a lot to drive the mission forward. And. Uh, She also happens to be the wife of the lead pastor of our family of churches. And so uh, that in and of itself made it unique, and it was such a privilege. But more than that, uh, when she first told me, like, hey, I'd like you to join my huddle. Oh, by the way, Mm -hmm. by the way, that's always a good place to start a sentence. um, I may be leaving on sabbatical about halfway through the start of this huddle, but I'm going to start it anyway. And if and when that happens, would you take over the huddle and lead it? And so, I was uh, learning how to lead a huddle while I was leading it. And So that would definitely probably not be the recommended route as you guys are all tuning in and listening. But uh, I really give credit, shout out to all those women that were in, and it was a small huddle, but those four to five women that were in my first huddle because we really were just experimenting with best practices for disciple making. And uh, so, you know, I, I did find myself halfway through just figuring it out as I went and you know, as you know, there's so much more than just the classroom learning part of it. So yeah. I could figure that part out. I could read the book and, you know, read a few chapters ahead, but really the nitty gritty of watching your leader lead yes. and doing the life on life and seeing how they handle different situations. But really, Lisa set up a really great foundation for me. And so it, you know, it wasn't all, uh, you know, roses and uh, it just, probably, there were things that I could have done better along the way, but I wouldn't trade that yes. for anything. Uh, and then a little bit about me, I would say part of my, my motivation for wanting to continue that, because I'm currently co-leading uh, a huddle. I, I kind of took a couple years off and had done a lot of student leadership, uh, even a little bit of like making the huddle part of our student ministry. Yeah, uh, And so part of it for me was that I I noticed that what I had in high school and in college in that most pivotal time frame when you're just really wrestling with who you are, yes. you know, who's with you, what is your identity, where are you going to form your identity? Is it in the friends and the pop- popularity? You know, I was making some pretty, pretty crazy choices at that yeah. time in my life because it really boils down to you are trying to answer that question of where is my identity? What is it in? Yeah. And yet I had so many people that came alongside me at just the right time, Christian leaders who started things in my high school or I got connected to the right person in college and all of a sudden they were intentionally discipling me, asking the hard questions, holding me accountable. Yeah. And one of the most memorable things for me is I was in one of the very first outposts mm-hmm. that ever existed here at Carmel, oh uh, and it was called the Carmel Outpost yeah. because there really were no other outposts at that time, so you could just call it by the name of the city. Yeah. And Josh kind of went around the room and said, uh, and, and mind you, this was at that time a group of pretty like mature Christians in general, and he, he just said, raise your hand if you've been intentionally discipled before. And there was a pause Mm -hmm. and I looked around the room and I started to raise my hand and realized I was the only one. And so just for me, it's a pay it forward, like to be part part of this movement of intentionally discipling in a small group setting where you're doing life on life with each other. I realized what I hadn't. And some people will lead from a place of, I'm going to do this because I didn't have this. And for me, I'm leading from a place of I want to do this so desperately because I know how valuable it was to me and how rare it is, even Mm -hmm. in a Christian context, even if you are really invested in the life of your church to actually be able to raise your hand and say, I I have been intentionally mentored or I have been intentionally discipled. That is so interesting because last night I was in huddle.
0: Because I lead a huddle on Monday night and Tuesday night, and so in this huddle, one of the incredible women, Marcy Knefel, said to me that she started her discipleship journey years ago because she wanted uh, a discipler for her son when her son was was growing up, and she really wanted like a mentor, a discipler to speak into his life, and she had this profound you know, aha moment of if this is something that I want for my own child, I have to do this for other people. I can't just expect people to keep pouring into me. I have to take that step of faith and pour into others because it's not just my child. It's it's so many people. It's not just teenagers. It's adults. A lot of us as adults, like you said, we can't raise our hand on that and say that we've been intentionally discipled.
1: Yeah. Um, my If that isn't on my heart, I don't know what is. My husband and I have mostly over the last 10 to 15 years been invested in the next generation yes. with high school students. And that is such a pivotal time. And how great that that woman decided that yeah. this was important enough for her kids. You know, my kids are... Getting to that preteen stage real quick and all the things that go along with that. And so I've actually thought about that and started to reach out to other, you know, like my friends, husbands, you know, will you like hang out with Jaden? Because it's so important to have people outside of your own parents. Like it's the village, right? It's Mm -hmm. the village concept of raising a child. And so I am excited that student ministry all of those things are starting to f- to think about what would it look like to to start this at younger ages and have yeah. have this be a regular thing like yeah. it's normal
0: yes and a lot of what we want to do is we do want this to become organic but it can't become organic until it's intentional and so with students and with other things that we do those organic conversations can come in when we've built the culture of this intentionality about discipling each other and discipling those who have not been discipled. And uh, yeah, it's it's funny because even like back in the office when we're working as staff, for example, Megan Mellinger who has been through huddle and uh, we also lead another huddle together and she, I'll find her discipling me, you know, that that iron sharpens iron. uh, as we are conversing and i know it's because of the intentional discipleship that she's had and i can recognize it and i'm like oh my gosh she's huddling me right now and this is awesome because this is what we want to do for each other as believers yeah so that intentionality is yeah. really important and i
1: i love what you're saying there is just that it ends up being a tool that you you take on for life and yes. you've done an incredible job with the huddle guide so many people feel so much more equipped to say yes to this thing because they have something that is just such a a genuinely powerful tool to engage in it and to know where to go next. And, uh, so yeah, when, once you've been through one, once you've led one, you find yourself like, you're now a disciple maker. Yes. You're doing it in your everyday context, whether you're doing it formally or informally. Yeah. So that's awesome about you and Megan. Yeah, well, you were a part of that process too and that you helped
0: us edit that and and just get that off the ground. Mm-hmm. And I know that we have so many more things to evolve through and I'm so excited for where that huddle guide is gonna go. I think God was like, just get something out there. Yeah, and we will then go from there, and so that's what we did, and you are a part yeah. of that, and I loved I love the team aspect of that, and I think the interesting thing to point out about the guide is that it's not an innovation; it's mm-hmm. really like a historical document of, yeah. you know, what how we at Mercy Road Church uh, intentionally disciple, and uh, it then
1: it's the guide to help empower yeah. well, you to do it. And really a historical document, not just of Mercy Road, but of of church, yes. Big C Church from Acts yes. on, right? Like, I mean, it starts with such deep level, like, but overview, you know, bird's yeah. eye view of the Bible. But then even when you get into things like racial reconciliation mm-hmm. and the conversation about all of, you know, all, all of the big hot topic items right yep. now that are just... So confusing for society. Yeah, when we get deep into those topics as as huddles, and yet you can take that all the way back to the times of Jesus and figure out what what would he have said about yes. this, and and how were the disciples handling these kinds of things? And uh, I really appreciate just the relevance yeah. of of all of this from you know historically accurate ways of doing life on life discipling to, to how you can implement it today.
0: Yeah. And I know as, as a former educator, I still kind of consider myself an educator because I love education. And I feel like that's a lot of what disciple making is it's, it's making things, showing people clear ways of, of connecting with Jesus and growing closer to him Mm. and, uh, just transforming, transformation through mm-hmm. through Him. And uh, I think uh, there is like a whole project on just diving deeper, you know, like diving into the Gospels to see how Jesus really did disciple and how He showed us the way to uh, do this with others. And I feel like we're, we're trying, we're just being faithful to that as yeah. much as we can.